So today I'm talking to Zoe Cresswell. Professionally, Zoe qualified as a midwife in 2006 and worked in the UK, both independently and for the NHS until 2013, when she moved across to Dubai and continued her practice there. Since then, Zoe has been on a fertility journey and has been very busy with training as a doula, recording her incredible podcast, Motherhood Exposed, which aims to bust myths and realign expectations around motherhood, and also co-launching her cloth nappy company, Bop and Bee. Thank you so much for joining me today, Zoe. How are you doing? I'm doing so well. And you completely smashed that intro. Well done. (laughs) (laughs) I I told you, I want to be like you when I grow up. You're so good. (laughs) Oh, if only you knew. (laughs) um, So (laughs) let's start with who are you a parent to? What are their names and how old are they? So I'm a parent to Bertie, or um, formerly he is, well, officially he's Wilbert, but um, he doesn't like that name. So we call him Bertie. He's eight. Um, And then little Sybil, who is two and a bit. um, Yeah, she's the boss. Uh, She's the one who keeps us all on our toes. And um, and of course, my dog, Ted, who's um, he's five <laughs> and he's the most needy child out of us all, out of them all, I think. Oh, uh, yeah. And what's your home set up? Like, where in the world are you? So, yep. We're, so we're in Dubai. So um, my husband moved here, I think, 12 years ago now. And um, we met at a wedding in the UK um, in 2012. And six months later, I moved over. So I've been here um, just coming up to nine years next month. Yeah, so um yeah, so we moved I moved here and we just haven't really quite made it back to the UK yet, but we will one day. Uh we love coming home and um yeah, we're from the my husband's from the same area as you, so we're we're very, very fond of the countryside and our, our muddy runs and all the rest of it. So yeah, we miss the trees and the and the seasons very much. Yeah, everyone must say to you, it must be so nice living in such a hot climate and things, but there must be some downsides as well, I suppose. Yeah, no, it's it's in like we're so lucky like it's the most incredible yeah we are we're so so lucky but the the summer here is you just you really can't explain it it's mm. it's so intense um and I mean I guess we kind of say oh it's a bit like the UK winter but it's kind of not because in a UK winter you can wrap up and generally get out and go still but this oh gosh it's it's a I remember when I first moved here and James describing it to me like opening the front door and like you know opening the door of an oven and getting hit by that you know that waft of heat and it's kind of similar it's just it's it's yeah it's tough it's really intense so yeah often you we're kind of like surviving in 50 degrees and obviously we've got loads of air conditioning and everything but you don't want to spend all day inside we still want to be outdoors and we've still got a dog to walk and yeah. a school commute to do and all the rest of it so yeah it just gets a bit um, a bit steamy shall we say <laughs> and you go running in it which we'll come on to shortly yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you to cast your mind all the way back to the moment that you were you found out that you were expecting Bertie how was your journey up to this point Gosh, this is quite a story. So um, it is now legal um, to be unmarried in Dubai and pregnant. But um, nine years ago, that wasn't legal um, because obviously we live in a Muslim country and um, you respect the Muslim laws. Um, So I I was just in the process of moving out here and got my visa and things. I was still sort of between countries and I don't you know being a midwife I should probably should have been a bit more on it with contraception but um yeah I, I I'd stopped taking the pill because I wasn't sure of the rules 
of of having the pill um and not being married in a muslim country so i was sort of okay and um yeah and we didn't kind of replace it and all of a sudden um there i was pregnant so we actually um we'd only been together uh i think nine months when i fell pregnant with Bertie. so um it was a huge shock and actually we were um what had happened is I was training hard and um, like you say I do a lot of running so at the time I was doing triathlons quite a lot of triathlons and I was trying to qualify to um represent Great Britain in like the um amateur uh they call it like the age group triathlons so I was doing a lot of training um and I was getting these terrible um stomach cramps like you know like really intense period pains and it had been happening all week and I'd only actually had one period since coming off the pill and it was it started bang on four weeks after my first period had started so um as the week went on these these pains were getting more and more intense until I was just in tears and I said James I think you know I think we need to consider that this could be a symptom of pregnancy um and the next day we were actually flying to the UK to do the qualification race so we got to Wales and all of our family had come to see us um and um because they hadn't seen us for a few months I just moved I was just sort of moving out and things so um yeah so people had taken time off work they'd all got to to Wales um like the day after us um and we had to go actually I'm really sorry but I'm not racing because um I'm pregnant so (laughs) so yeah so it was it was um it was incredible but um it was a huge shock um and yeah and again being in a Muslim like moving to a Muslim country we had to have a test quite early it sounds really crass but I I needed to check it was a viable pregnancy and because it was um although we were very much in love and we were very much planning on getting married we needed to get married ASAP so um yeah so that was the first kind of uh thing we did when we got back booked to booked to scan um and then I found out I had um at the time they thought it was a bicornic uterus and a septum um years on we found out it wasn't a bicornic uterus it was just a septum but basically at that point in pregnancy it looked like I had two uteruses um and the pregnancy was growing in one side of it but it was just actually there was a a big septum down the middle so a big sort of division and big thick bit of skin um so then we got the news that there is um uh high risk of miscarriage high risk of premature delivery um so then we're kind of like having to kind of get our heads around all of that as well um and yeah so it was um it was a a fun time but um five weeks later we got married and um and yeah had a successful pregnancy so that's that's 30 sorry yeah (laughs) (laughs) that is amazing (laughs) and then um sort of fast forwarding to to Sybil and her and Jet you were later getting um pregnant with her how was that for you okay so how long long have we got (laughs) so um so Bertie was two and um yeah because we'd not been together as a couple for that long we, we we weren't in a rush to have more children we wanted just to kind of ground ourselves a little bit um so yeah he was two and I had um a really late period um so obviously within that kind of you know the days waiting for the period to arrive there was a conversation of could we be pregnant I don't know blah 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 blah. and then when my period came we were both really disappointed so we're like okay I think we're ready to have more children now so this is yeah so this is our starting point so we um yes we started trying for a, a second um three months later I was pregnant um and then a few weeks later I started not even a few weeks maybe a week later I started bleeding we were actually in the UK at the time. So I had a scan in the UK. They couldn't confirm a miscarriage, came back to Dubai, couldn't confirm a miscarriage. Um, 
And um, then a few weeks later, a miscarriage was confirmed. Um, but to get to that point, it was, um, oh gosh, I was, I was, um, I was also, I'm also a PT. Um, so I was doing a pre and sort of pre and postnatal fitness and I was with a client in her gym and bush, I just started bleeding everywhere um sort of running to my car which was parked about 600 meters down the road in the middle of summer so it was roasting hot um calling James um yeah so um but from that so we could confirm that obviously the miscarriage had happened but what happened is I had a lot of retained products um and then we had about a month of backwards and forwards to different doctors different scans different treatments trying to sort of get rid of these retained products um at the time the doctor my um the, the doctor who was caring for me didn't want to do a dnc because um because of the septum because she was concerned that she was going to perforate the septum um during the um procedure um but long story short um yeah it was about four to six weeks this went on for um which when you think back, it's a little bit crazy, really, because you just kind of carry on with life, but with this constant on-off bleeding. And um, yeah, it's a bit weird. Anyway, so um, we got to the point where I'd had a really, really heavy bleed overnight and um, wasn't feeling great in the morning. I went to work in, um, as a midwife and um, just asked the, my, my colleagues just to do my iron levels just to see what was going on. And it was uh, they were down on my boots, down at 63 so um, I ended up in hospital that night and uh, ended up with a DNC. So that was um, that was our first loss um, after trying to conceive. So that was in 2016, um, and that took a long time to recover from because it was a very physical um, experience. And obviously, with your hemoglobin levels very very low, it takes a long it takes your body time to recover from that. So um, that was frustrating um, because. Uh, like you've we've we've brushed on before I like I'm very sporty so I found that really hard that I couldn't perform how I wanted to but also you know I wanted my body to be ready to to try and have another baby because once you lose one you just you want another one so we want you know I was desperate to start trying again um and how was your support network around did you have much of a support network around you during that time um I had James um my husband he's incredible um yeah I mean family from afar um but no I guess that's it I didn't really talk about it too much too many friends um I don't really know why I think towards the end I did because it was just I was you know (laughs) I was carrying extra underwear with me wherever I went going I might I might just bleed on your carpet but um so um sorry that sounds that sounds crude but no not at all it's a reality isn't it yeah it was really so yeah, I don't know. I would do, I remember being in hospital um and uh I was having a blood I had to have a blood transfusion, a three unit blood transfusion. And I remember texting um male friends uh, who was obviously James's friends as well saying, "Can you just look after James? Can you make sure he's okay?" Because I guess he was doing so much for me. I wanted to kind of make sure that he had support as well. Um but yeah, you know, I think between us it's it's taken it did, it definitely took its toll on on both of us um in a, in a lot of ways and it, and it i think it came up later it, i don't think it came up later on in in our sort of trying to conceive journey um mm. but we're pretty good at you know being open with each other and talking to one another and um yeah we got there we got through that so then 2017 um april 2017 i conceived again um 
And this time I was walking down back in the UK. So the UK became a bit of a bad omen for me. So I was walking down Northgate Road in um, in Battersea and felt something fall into my pants. And that was that. That was um, a very clean, um, not very heavy blood loss at all um, loss. And um, actually, by chance, I was meeting my best friend who was a midwife um, at the hospital I used to work in in London and she very kindly quickly arranged a scan for me that afternoon and it was confirmed that my uterus was clear and that was that um, so that one was a strange one we were we were in the UK because we were going to a friend's wedding um, so I think I kind of just pushed a lot of that one to the back of my mind thinking okay let's let's you know have a lovely time in the UK and, and celebrate and then it got to the end of 2018 start of two, no end of 2017 start of 2018 and um, yeah, I was thinking we need this is when we sort of conversation started around like I think we sort of need some support, I think we need some help, we need to we think we need to do some investigations. Um so we ended up with a, an amazing fertility doctor in um over here in Dubai. Um and uh, I think around March 2018, I had my septum surgic um removed. So that was that was completely removed, which was um which was a funny decision. Um I kept I spoke to so many people and so many colleagues back in the UK and nobody was really very um, positive about it. They didn't think it would be successful. They, um, but actually, in the end up, it was a very easy procedure and went really well. Um, the reason it was removed was there was, um, as I've said before, it can increase your chance of miscarriage, premature delivery. But there's also um, the chance that the um, that any embryo may implant on the septum and not on your uterine wall. So therefore, you're um, either it's not even going to get to the point of a positive pregnancy test, but, um, or um, again, or you're going to miscarry early. So that's that's the reason we had the septum removed. Um, I started on Clomid at that point, then on to IUI. And conceived in September of that year and lost again in the September of that year um, or the October, probably the time I lost. Um, and that, again, it was a, it was another very public um, miscarriage, which was a bit mortifying. I was with a, a postnatal client in her home and I was leaning over her, just um, checking her breastfeeding, trying to support her. And I could just, my stomach just cramped and I could just feel the blood loss start. And I ran out of the room. And luckily in Dubai, we don't have many carpets and it was all tiled floors. And um, yeah, I made a bit of a mess in their house, which was absolutely mortifying um, and horrible. It was a really horrible experience. But again, a few days later, I ended up with another DNC. And then I'll fast forward to... Um, May 2019 where we oh no sorry December I've missed a oh, December we did a fresh transfer IVF which didn't take and then um we had a break and in May 2019 I had a um, frozen transfer um which resulted in our little Sybil um so we got there there was so much to go through and you know like you say the the publicness of it the the fact that you were in another country that you were then in your home country at some times but actually on you know not in your home environment <laughs> to be able to kind of go home and rest it must have been really really tough um and thank goodness you know Sybil has come come from that journey um but it stays with you doesn't it and it does change you and alter your views on things absolutely and I, I've I've kind of rushed rushed through that a little bit but yeah I think um Although I've said it all very quickly and very matter-of-factly, there's you, you you can never take away that that was three years of our life, which was 
completely overtaken by the the process of trying to conceive and every single day for me particularly was all about but that's but you're doing that whilst also parenting a wonderful child as well and which also brings along lots of um lots of conflicting thoughts and feelings um too because um yeah secondary infertility is a it's a it's a strange um it's it's a strange thing to have to manage uh always always conflicting yeah very complex and if anyone does want to hear more and understand more about your journey and and kind of your outlook where can they find that I've spoken about it before in um, Baby Loss Week and I've done various posts on it. Um, or I went into a bit more detail um, with the infertile midwife um, on her, um, what does she do, the lives, her Insta lives. And I, I know she's got that saved um, on her profile as well. And obviously anyone's welcome just to reach out to me um, personally and um, message me. I don't mind talking, as you've said. And so I, it makes me wonder, you know, your experiences of, of having and, and um, conceiving your, your children, you know, how that influenced then what you went on to do, obviously, after you were a midwife for so many years, um, you then trained as a doula um, and started your podcast. So where did, where did those things come about? Why did you want to do those things? Yeah, I think um, when being a midwife, it's a you know it's, it's your profession it's your vocation it's 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 what it's what I'd always wanted to do from being a seven-year-old um and um I was no longer working out here and uh it's a huge it's a huge hole in in your life um but also I think the big thing is that I had been a midwife for many years and I, I really didn't get it I just didn't get the infertility side of it and and there was no question that I felt very isolated going through it um, over here. But I think particularly because I almost because I had a son already, then I was with a lot of parents that um, had multiple children. Um, and there was still me using the only one and just one. Um, and it was really hard to um, to try and explain to people that we were still trying for more children or or even talk about it at all. Um and I just thought, gosh, I I'm, I know about this stuff. This is something I I get. This is something I'm trained to do. This is something I've done my whole life, um, and I feel completely, um, you know, I just in the lurch. I have no idea. You know, I just felt very not alone, but um, on my yeah, I suppose I did. I felt very on my own. I hadn't discovered the there's a huge community online um, on social media, and I hadn't I just hadn't discovered that, and I'm not sure if it was quite as rich as it is now as well um so I just thought you know I want to I want to talk to people um because pregnancy isn't straightforward there's no one journey um I want to help to break sorry to be I don't want to be um a cliche but I I want to help break down the taboos and and make it commonplace to talk about our journeys and, and what we all went through to become parents um yeah so you know now when people talk to me I'm quite like I have here I'm not just open on on podcasts I do try and say oh you know well I went through IVF and she's a result of IVF and um you know with Bertie as well obviously I've tried to explain to him that we've lost babies um and uh and how Sybil was made um I often use uh the Robo Babies book is a really good one we're sort of trying to, to to explain to a young person uh what you've been through yeah so I so the podcasts and the doulaing and everything, it just it just came about because I wanted to help to add a voice to people who perhaps didn't feel that they had a place to talk about their experience. 
And I, I love listening to them and I've learned a lot from what you do um, to be able to support people as well, because that's the thing. If you hear real life experiences, it does teach you rather than reading from a book, a textbook or doing a course or anything like that. And it's just so invaluable. And stepping away from kind of parenting and work, you know, you mentioned pre having children, um, you were you you were quite athletic and, and did a lot of running and I know you still do that now. Tell us about how you kind of keep in touch with that side of you that was pre children. Oh, you know what? I would I'd be a terrible mother if I wasn't if I didn't. And I, I mean that completely. Um and honestly, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've always been an active person, um, and it's oh I don't know, it's what makes me feel able to cope with life I think in even if it's not running if it's just getting out and going for a dog walk and I've I've got to move I'm just that person who has to move and um yeah so becoming a mother um that that was just as important to me and and I realized very quickly that for me to be a good mum I need to keep that sort of side of me going as well so um you know and because James is the same he's equally as sporty we both feel the same about needing to get a good amount of movement in every day that we we support each other in that um and then being in Dubai we're very lucky we have um live-in help so we have a lady called Monica who's lived with us uh, or been part of our family now for um oh seven nearly seven years so um you know she's she's a great help because it means that if we want to go for a run together we can um or you know if James is working it means I can still go out and and get get a bit of exercise in and the kids are loved and looked after and happy um so we're, yeah that's a very um big uh bonus of living in Dubai we're very spoiled in that in that respect that's amazing um but yeah it's, it's so important to have that time isn't it for yourself and it may be something that you used to do and you know kind of the the pre-parent self it might be something new that fits better in with your life but you've got to you've got to take that time haven't you yeah absolutely and even you know even the days where um we don't have support or you know James is away or whatever I still try and either we all go out and we do something or I'll do exercises at home with the kids running around um but I just think your own mental health it's well for my mental health it's it's an integral part of my day so it happens it will happen however I make it happen and it's prioritizing it isn't it I know it can drop to the bottom of the priority list um sometimes and when there's like when life is busy and going on but actually that's what's going to yeah. help you to do all that busy stuff <laughs> um if you can yeah, have that mental space um for yourself and that's what you know this podcast is about you know how you grow as a parent and you've described you know you've been through so much to get to your to where you are now as a parent and as a mother and what I really want to get across is that because I, I see you and I, I see what you what you do um day to day you post amazing stuff on Instagram and I see that you do take that time and I've, I've got to say it must contribute to the way then you're able to um to do that your parenting job uh, as well as your um other stuff that you do as well <laughs> yeah absolutely um it's not it's not all guilt free though like obviously I still I still get the mum guilt um but as I say I know it's really important for me as a parent but then I also get the the mum guilt in terms of I'm I don't work full time so I know I'm very privileged in the fact I can give myself an hour in a day to to go and do something um so I feel guilty about that as well (laughs) so it's always mixed isn't it and we'll always find something to feel bad about but um yeah I mean, I, I do. I'll make it happen, even if I have to get up at 4am, which I do quite a lot as well, just to get out and, and get it in for the day, because it sets me up 
I mean, getting up at 4am out of choice is, yeah, quite <laughs> remarkable. But again, that's easier out here as well, because I'm not going out to like rain and, and minus minus three degrees or something. It's always, it's never that cold. So it's, it's much easier over here and safer as well. We're very privileged in that respect too. And when you look back over the years and how much you have been through, um, the highs and the, the challenges you faced as well, um, what are you most proud of yourself for? Wow. Um, do you know what? I look back and I, I, I think it's just the fact we got through it um, and we got through it together stronger um, because sometimes, yeah, like, like particularly like if you look at things like the first miscarriage, it just went on and on and on and I was just it's just funny what you do. You just, you kind of just crack on, don't you? Um, but I think, I think it is literally just the, the basic fact that we got through it um, in one piece because we, we look back on it and, um, you know, there's no, I think after Sybil was born, I'm, I'm a little bit addicted to that newborn phase and, um, you know, especially being a midwife as well, you know, it's just the most special time. There's just nothing else will compare to it it's like all of your Christmas days at once isn't it and there was a bit of me that was thinking gosh do we do we want to go for a third and knowing that we with the chances of us doing it naturally now is was very very slim there is not one part of me that could step on that ladder again and, and start that process again so um for anyone who has gone and done that a second time I take my hats off to you because it is it is hard um so yeah I think just the fact we, we we got there and um and we still we still love each other <laughs> of course you do and it makes if it it's horrible the same but it doesn't kill you it makes you stronger yeah. and it sounds you're definitely stronger for it no absolutely you know and and with the pregnancy we I think you know I'm talking a lot about sort of Sybil's experience but remembering we always had Bertie and we always had to be good parents for him and and try and um but you know the, every decision had to also involve him as well where we doing the right thing for him too um and that, that that was that was that was always hard like I I think I mentioned at the beginning that I was concerned about the age gap and that was always something that really really affected me um every month that we lost um it's like they're just they, they're further and further away from each other um but actually it's really it's not worked out like at all like that yes they're six years apart nearly but they're he adores her she adores him they just have a different relationship to siblings that are 18 months apart or two years apart um and but it's just as special probably less arguments as well and I bet you wish you could have told yourself that now oh 100% 100% yeah because yeah that was something that really really plagued on my mind all the time so yeah absolutely well thank you so much and as I say I will link everything in in the show notes to say where um, people can find you your, more of your story and also the amazing motherhood exposed podcast that you record because that has some amazing some fantastic guests and episodes on there to do exactly what you want it to do bust those, bust those myths and and really make it all feel a bit more normal <laughs> yeah yeah no and um, thank you and it makes me realize like uh, I always feel like I need to say, oh, but my, you know, my story's not anything compared to these women's stories. But I think anyone listening, whatever you're going through, it's 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 still important, and it's it's still just as important as anyone who who's gone through a different story as well. Sorry, that didn't say that very well, but I think I think hopefully you'll catch a drift of what I mean. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Zoe. I really appreciate you taking time today. Thank you so much for having me, and it's lovely to see you again.